Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer and our final regular season guest of the year, Brendan. Welcome to the podcast once again. What's up? What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Doing pretty good. Me and Jake both have playoff spots locked down. Brendan, I think you're in a pretty good position to lock yourself a playoff spot down. Uh, yeah, but we're I'm gonna... playing Jerwin, so <laughs> it's locked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, he has to. I know he has to outscore. He has to go two zero and outscore everybody. It's currently in the wild card race by like three hundred points this week or something crazy. So I know that he is basically out. Um, but I think it's between you, JC, and Eddie for the last two spots. So we will talk about that in a moment. Last week, Jake, you and I both just had average weeks but i guess we'll just take that at this point in the season it just seems to be an average year for us for these matchup picks but let's dive into week 17 with our two big takeaways brendan why don't you kick us off and give us your first big takeaway all right um well i first of all i've done absolutely zero preparation for this podcast so just want to throw that out there as my vibe check um let's see my first big takeaway is probably i guess um i'll just rag on jerwin that's easy um i i think it is funny how his team is actually like potentially very good like i think if he had this team for the entire year he would actually be in a much better spot but i think it's funny that basically degrom not being healthy just absolutely derailed his entire season and that he is uh, a very bad fantasy team has Jerwin ever come close to finishing like in any fantasy league that we've ever done over the years in like the top three I don't think he has last year okay what well, was his that, what, what did he finish that? last year Jake third last year really okay so once Bust out that league history document, Jake. How many top four finishes does Jerwin have? Is it just last year? It is just last year. Yeah. How many years has he been in the league? Uh, Since the beginning, so that would be since 2017. So this is his sixth season, one top three finish, and that being in third. Is Jerwin a bad manager? People are asking. People are asking. (laughs) I'm not going to put words in people's mouths, but people are saying yes. So, My first big takeaway is about my team and that it, it's not bulletproof. So entering last week with a 24 win streak against a non-playoff team at that time, which I guess still technically in Eddie, I didn't really think much of the matchup. Um, I mentioned on last week's episode that I was Nervous about the vulnerability of my pitching staff after Clayton Kershaw got injured. But little did I know that it would actually be my offense that would totally sink me in what has been my worst week in months. Um, As I mentioned in the group, I had six players of the nine that I start on offense combine for 32.4 points. And only one player on my offense scored more than 15 points for the matchup. So just an absolutely brutal showing from my team for week 17. 
Jake, give us your first big takeaway. That was my first big takeaway was what the hell happened to your team? Because we did, I, I guess what happened was we, I think we jinxed you because we both picked your team to win, win it all. And what happened here is your team got a little overconfident. Uh, they went into it thinking we're the champions already. And they fell on their face against uh, a scrappy Eddie team. But uh, I think that this is good. This is the, uh, this is the check that they need. Um, mm-hmm. This is the loss that's really going to get their, their head screwed on right. Uh, I think that this is, this is definitely an eye-opener for your team. And now, once it, it looks like your team didn't know what to do before if they fell behind because it was just all out of collapse. Now they know how to play from behind. They've been here before. So you're, ready, you're playoff ready now. I hope that that's the case, but I can't help but think back to the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 12-0, and and then I think that they lost their first game of the season against the Washington football team, who, you know, that team was not good at the time. We all thought as Steelers fans, you know what, better to lose the streak now than in the first round of the playoffs, right? But then I think they only won one more game for the rest of the season between the regular season and the playoffs. So I'm hoping not to fizzle out similar to the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm really hoping, I'm really buying that this is the check that we needed, Jake, because I need that to be the case. My second big takeaway is somewhat related to my first, but it's on the other side of my matchup. It's Eddie. He's in the driver's seat, I think, after seemingly being just on the cusp of dropping out of the playoff race completely for weeks now. Eddie can just about punch his ticket to the playoffs with a strong 2-0 week against JC. Um, The only way that he would miss playoffs in this scenario is if JC also finished above the median. And you, Brendan, if you had a very strong week against Jerwin. So I think that the odds are more in favor of Eddie controlling his own destiny rather than other teams kind of him needing things to happen amongst other teams to, to get his way in. Uh, Jake, why don't you give us your second big takeaway? My second big takeaway is that Craig Campbell absolutely sucks. Why is he still the Dodgers closer? I could, I can't answer that. And uh, he's been absolute garbage ever since being dealt to the White Sox. So I think it's safe to say at this point that Liam Hendricks ruined Craig Kimbrell's, uh, maybe his entire career, uh, because this is really souring my taste of him. Uh, It's like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones for me in the way that the ending really soured my whole outlook on the entire show. And that's what's happening for me with Craig Kimbrell right now. He used to be so good. He was great for a long time, but this ending now is souring my taste on Craig Kimbrell entire career. So Craig Kimbrell is being game of Thrones. I think we can uh, safely say that it's all Liam Hendricks fault. And uh, I'm very sad that he is on my team. Um, may, I might spike cut him, but would it even be a spike cut? Cause he's garbage. Yeah. I saw that he got dropped in not our dynasty league jake but the other dynasty league that i play in today and it's a 16 team league so you don't necessarily have to be that much of a difference maker to be valuable or to be a lineup play and i don't even think i'm going to claim him in that league because i looked not only has he been bad this year but he is an unrestricted free agent after this season 
And I just, I don't really have an interest in, I think he's going to be 35 years old next year, not knowing where he's going to go. If he's going to be signed to be a closer, I'm not sure after the the bad season that he's having this year. So uh, I think that that just speaks to the downfall of Craig Kimbrell, like dropped in a 16 team or I'm not even going to put in a claim for him. So he's definitely kind of fallen off of a cliff this year. Brendan, what is your second big takeaway from last week? All right. So second one is uh, more of like just I actually kind of want to hear y'all's opinion rather than a thing. But it is, is Joe Musgrove still an elite starting pitcher or is he really cooled off a bit? Um, so he's on my team. So there's obviously a lot of incentive to for me to kind of hear other opinions about it. But um Really, ever since I've traded for him, he's been still, like, good, but not as advertised. Um, he's Whenever I traded for him, he was 8-0 and in all decisions. Uh, he has, in games, gone 0-6 since then, although he has had a couple of no decisions sprinkled throughout there. Um, notable ones on July 7th, he got 21.5 points. Uh, in July 30th, 10.5 points, and August 9th, 16.5 points. But in between that, a lot of mediocre starts. Negative uh, 0.5 points, negative 0.5 points, negative 6 points, 3.5 points. So uh, I guess the question that I've been kind of reeling is like, have people sort of maybe, are people figuring out Musgrove a little bit? One thing that's nice is he still does get you innings, Uh only one of those outings, he is, he failed to get five innings, and it was 4.2. All the other outings, he's gone at least five. Uh, he's pitched into the sixth or through sixth and actually all of them. So I guess the question that I have is, is Joe Musgrove still an elite starting pitcher in this league and in this format? I'll go ahead and answer first. I think that... And this shouldn't really be controversial given his track record of five years and five full years in the majors. If you count his rookie season, five and a half years in the majors previous to this year. I think that Joe Musgrove is a good SP2 for fantasy. He was pitching like an ace through the first half of the year. Um, But I don't think that that necessarily meant that it was okay for everyone to bank on him being one of those upper tier aces for fantasy in perpetuity moving forward in fantasy. So I think that he will be exactly what my expectation for him was after the first half, which is SP two. If you go back to the beginning of last year, he's now given you, I, I shouldn't say a full year this year, but he's on his way to giving you another full year. Last year, he had a 318 ERA over 180 innings pitched right now. He has 298 ERA over 133. So it looks like he's going to kind of finish in line with last year's results. He actually averaged 14.2 per game last season, too. He's at 14.7 right now. So I guess to answer your question, I'm not worried about Joe Musgrove. I think that this is more of just a little bit of regression after he was pitching like an actual fantasy ace for the first half. I don't I don't think that Joe Musgrove is a guy that people are going to go out and redraft next year and draft as a fantasy ace. I think that he would be more like an SP2 target. I don't have a whole lot more to add. I think that this is just kind of his baseline 
Um, not that he's been terrible right now. I'm thinking more like the season long stats. That's kind of what my expectations would be for him. He was pitching over his head earlier, but uh, he's probably better in our format than, than others just because he's a, he's a volume machine. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much more to add. I think that he's, I think he's fine. I also think that he has been unlucky with the losses lately. I feel like with how good the Padres are, you'd have to expect that a little bit of positive regression is coming his way in terms of wins and losses. He's been 0-6, you mentioned. He's 8-6 and on the year. I would not expect a pitcher for the Padres who has a 3 ERA on the season to nearly be at a 500 record. So I think that Joe Musgrove next year... um, We'll get a slight boost in terms of the wins versus losses. Okay, that brings us to the wild card race update. As I mentioned, kind of trade trade segment talking about trades is pretty much over at this point. We've kind of uh, beat the horse on that. But the wild card race, as it currently stands, in the seventh place spot with the first wild card is JC the NFTs with a 14 and 20 record barely hanging on to the lead for the first wild card spot. Right behind him is Brendan, ass in the jackpot with a 13 and 21 record. And he's also barely hanging on to that second wild card that final playoff spot. Because nipping at his heels after a really strong week uh, against my team is Eddie gone forever with a 12 and 22 record. And then we already mentioned it's not technically impossible but um, practically it is impossible for Jerwin to get a playoff spot at this point. Team positivity within 11 and 23 record. I believe he has about 250 less points on the year than I think both JC and uh, Brennan. And even if he doesn't have that much less point or that many less points than JC, I, I don't even think that he can tie JC in record at this point. So he would need a ton to happen to make the playoffs. So it's basically... Trash. It is looking like it's just down to JC, Brendan, and Eddie for the last two spots. Um, and they are pretty much all matched up against each other, so it should be a, a fun week. Fellas, for our main segment, it's going to be, I guess, as brief as we want to make it, but I thought that this would be fun. I know that we do kind of fantasy awards for the season recap, the very last episode of the year, but I thought for our own personal uh, sake, we could do a 2022 superlatives Again, just our personal outlooks on different types of players. So the first one that I have, or the first, uh, I guess, category of player that I have that I'd like to pick your guys' brains on is who is the stud this year who is most likely to flop in 2023? Jake, we will go to you first. Okay, so I think there are... I don't want to... There, there's no easy answer. I guess it all depends on who you're... How far you down, how far down you go, how you're really defining stud. Um, I guess I could have gone with, with Verlander or Scherzer, seeing that that's like you could just that's an easy one. You just say age, you could cite that. But I think I'm at the point where those guys that I'm just gonna believe that they're going to I just I'm just gonna believe that they're doing it until they can't. Um, it's really tough to nitpick. Um, I was trying to stay away from injuries, but I was performance-wise and uh I know that I've talked about this before, but I guess I'll go with Dylan Cease because I just as much as good as he's been, he's walking over 10% of the batters that he faces. 
And at some point, that's going to come back and bite him. And I, I, I just he, – he, he gives up hard contact, and I know it hasn't hurt him so far. He's, he's been outstanding limited, limiting hits. But at some point, you can't give up so many walks. And I, I just think it, it, it's going to come back to bite him. And I don't, I don't know that, that the uh, – I think he's what, like SP4, SP6? Like I, I cannot possibly see him uh, repeating that if the walks stay where they are. That is um, – I don't want to call it bold because I, I think that regression is due for Dylan Cease for next year or even, even later this year. Like I saw that he just gave up three earned runs for the first time in months. Um, but I think a lot of people are excited on him or excited about him. So I think that it's definitely fair to temper expectations of him. Like I don't, I don't know that – similar to Joe Musgrove, I don't know that Dylan Cease will be – an upper echelon ace next year either. I think maybe the fair baseline expectation to set for even Dylan Cease would be a high upside SP2. Uh, but I guess time will tell with that one. And I know I, I harped I, on it. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I, I know I harped on it earlier in the year too, but he still has not fixed the whole volume pitching deep into games thing. That's mm-hmm. still not really... I mean, not it, efficient. His run, his run aside, I mean, it's it's just not... I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not totally sold on on C's. like that. Uh, Jesse Pinkman. If like he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> yeah, my stud that I think is gonna flop next year. Uh, I went. I aimed. I guess a little bit lower than you because Cease is definitely a stud this year. I went with Martin Perez, who has undoubtedly been a stud. I believe he's been a top fifteen overall pitcher. Um, I believe he's been the number one relief pitcher on the year and he definitely has been good this year like even his xera is is uh mid to or i guess low to mid threes it's 335 but the thing that really screams that this guy hasn't made a big change to me or i guess hasn't hasn't made a change that i believe is going to last over a multi-year stretch is that his strikeout to walk percentage that k to bb percentage that i've mentioned is my favorite and what I just de- what I determined to be the most important stat among all stats that you could look at for pitchers in fantasy. He is just inside, barely inside the top 50 with a 13, a 13.4% strikeout to walk percentage, which is just not good. The guys uh, right in front of him are Merrill Kelly, who definitely has been super good lately. So maybe that's a bad example, but the guy right behind him, Adam Wainwright, who is not known for striking guys out, at least not at this point in his career. Kyle Gibson right behind him, Cole Irvin. I think when you kind of look at Martin Perez grouped with uh, that crop of pitchers, I think that that's likely where he's going to perform next year as opposed to you know among the top 20 pitchers, which he has to this point in the year. And I also think, I haven't actually looked at his appearances, but I don't believe that he has pitched out of the bullpen at all this year, so I think that he's going to lose the RP eligibility. So that'll further damage, uh, I guess, his propensity to perform like a stud in 2023 because you would have to start him in your starting rotation. So Martin Perez is my pick. Dylan Cease is Jake's pick. Brendan, who is your pick for the stud most likely to flop next year? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the pitching route. I think I'm going to go with Tony Gonzalez. Um, It's not 
I don't know. He's always been a guy that I like sort of like associate with like almost being a one hit wonder, but I think he's been good for a while actually. And he's been, um, he's been an effective pitcher ever since he's been in the league for the past four years. But for whatever reason, like if you look at where he is right now, um, I think he's like right behind Rodon or something in our overall points format. I just kind of think that that can fall fairly easily. Uh, if you expect him sort of, I guess, similar to Musgrove, except that I also don't think that he's necessarily going to stay at like SP2 level. I think he might fall just a little bit below that tier. Um, my thing with him is like, I don't think he's been lucky necessarily, but in four seasons, he's 24 and six. Like he's, he's only had six losses, which is wild. I think, um, this year he's only lost one game. Again, I don't think that that's necessarily lucky, but at the same time, like he's cut down on the walks, but I mean, his walk percentage last year was 14% this year. 7.2 so he's cut it in half but it's still not like an elite level and the strikeouts again have gone down this year uh in terms of the k percentage from last year so i don't know i just think that he's having a very good year and he's getting a lot of points and traction because his ability to get to get wins um but i think that that might just kind of taper off as hitters continue to figure him out Brennan, I will partially back you on that because I actually gave an eye to Tony Gonsolin for this superlative. I don't think that he's going to flop. I think that that was, in my view, a little bit of a harsh word to describe next year, but I think that he's going to come back down to earth a little bit more. Jake, I know that you've mentioned previously that he's probably going to be a guy, as long as he's on the Dodgers, who outperforms his indicators, specifically like FIP, because they've always put a great defense out on the field. But even his XERA, it's 302, which is almost a full run higher than his actual ERA. I think that this is probably, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is the ceiling for Tony Gonsolin. And similar to Cease, like I, it's very hard for a pitcher to replicate their career best year unless you're a unicorn like a Justin Verlander or a Max Scherz or a Jacob deGrom. So <clears throat> I'm a little bit less sold on Brendan in terms of how far Tony Gonsolin is going to fall next year, but I do think that some regression is headed his way for 2023 and that he would be more of like a, I would even say maybe like a lower end SP3 type rather than like an SP1, which is what he's basically been all year. Jake, you're the guy that has him and is going to keep him. Do you have any thoughts to add on Tony Gonsolin? Uh, I I do, but uh, I mean, I can wait if you you want. I, I picked him for something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's let's wait. The next superlative that we tease. Yeah, the next superlative that we have is breakout most likely to maintain their gains in 2023. So, almost an opposite of our first superlative. Uh Jake, you've been on the sidelines for a minute. Who's your pick for breakout most likely to maintain gains next year? So, my pick is Adley Rutschman. Um I think it's not at all a stretch that he should be the top catcher drafted. Um, He's been outstanding, especially for our format. He walks a ton, doesn't strike out. Uh, It's going to provide him with a very high floor. And honestly, the floor alone, he could pretty much do nothing else, and that would still be a pretty good catcher. But the guy actually hits the ball pretty hard, and uh, he is actually a good hitter, not just for a catcher, just a good hitter. 
And uh, it, it really, this shouldn't been something that he took. I mean, this has kind of been the scouting report on him uh, since he was drafted. So I, I don't know that this is necessarily something where we can say this is a career year for him. This is just, or that he, he's, you know, he's busted in the league. Nobody knows how to pitch to him, but I, I think this is just kind of the hitter that he is and uh, at catcher, very valuable. So I think he's going to be an early round pick for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, my pick is Austin Riley. Now I'm actually going to lead off by giving you the downside of Austin Riley, which is that he's never going to be a big plate discipline guy. He is in the bottom third of the league for strikeout percentage. He's in the bottom half of the league for walk percentage. That's just who he is. He has never been advertised to be a good plate discipline guy. He's not going to take walks, and he's going to strike out quite a bit. However, everything else that he does from a fantasy perspective, from an offensive production standpoint, he is super elite. He is in the top 2% for average exit velocity top 3% for max exit velo, top 2% for hard hit percentage, top 2% for ex-WOBA, top 8% for XBA. So here's, I guess, here's the kicker. If I had to point out to you why I'm confident that Austin Riley is going to maintain his gains, we always knew that he had big power. That's kind of what he was hyped as. It was a big power guy coming into the league. But I guess where I can forgive the fact that he doesn't have good plate discipline, which is, you know, can be a great, tool or a great skill set for our fantasy format is if a guy can hit the ball but not only not only that hit the ball hard he can uh produce a high batting average that means that most of the balls that are i should say that 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 kind of proves the contact skills so you know maybe he doesn't have a good eye but if he can hit the ball super hard and he has great contact skills 92nd percentile for expected batting average in his career xba is 270 so he can hit for a high average. He hits the crap out of the ball. Uh, for that reason, I can kind of forgive the plate discipline skill set or lack thereof. That's why I think Austin Riley is definitely going to maintain the gains that he made this year, uh, just moving forward in the future. Brennan, who's your guy? Breakout that most likely to maintain next year. So I think mine's a little off the board just because this person actually has not stepped onto a major league field this year, but he had a very what a lot of people said breakout uh, season last year and has been hurt all year, but is about to make a return. Does anyone know who I'm about to say? Dustin May. Dustin May is correct. That's not who I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Dustin May. Um, the sinker is just so fun to watch, and it's on like I, I love watching pitchers pitch, especially like just pitchers that throw the ball so hard and are able to like really command the corners and Dustin May is so good at that uh he was last year he's a big 6-6 um big ginger body so I gotta love that um but his singer is just elite um and I think as he sort of works in the curveball more and more or just really off-speed stuff like even his cutter is almost kind of a slider-ish um type of speed whenever he starts to work those things in I think that that plus the sinker is just an elite uh combination that um, as he comes back this year and as he's going to be kept, I would assume next year, he's going to be really, I think, an elite pitcher. Um, I just have a lot of faith in him. I think the mechanics are there. I really like everything that I've, every single time I watch him pitch, he's 
he does something that makes me like kind of like sit back and be like, wow, that's that's a player that I think can really break out. And being on the Dodgers again, sort of the same thing with um, that we were saying about Gonzalez. I think he's going to get he's always going to get the run support. He's always going to get the defense behind him. So um, I just like him a lot for our format. I have one. You cut out for a second there, Jake. One more, one more player, or one more thought to add. I, I wanted to add one more, one more name. Um, and I, this, I guess, this isn't really a traditional. It's a, it's more of a fantasy breakout than a real life breakout. Uh, let's say Devin Williams, because um, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that he deserves to be drafted ahead of Josh Hader next year. Really? So, just a couple things on on Williams. Um, he in our format right now. He's RP seven. This is despite not holding the closer role all year until a couple weeks ago. He is the only setup man um, any, anywhere near the top of the board, frankly. Um, he, he's been outstanding for a couple years, basically ever since he got into the league. He has a probably the best changeup in the entire league. He's striking out 40% of hitters, which is just nuts. And he plays on a team – that previously had arguably the number one closer, which me, which I know that it's not not one to one, but they obviously the Brewers provide a lot of chances for volume as well, and they're not afraid to uh, throw Williams out quite a bit. So I, I don't think that it's at all. A, he and I, I guess he's also been a lot better than here this year, but um, yeah, I. I don't think he will actually get drafted ahead of ahead of Hater. I don't think his ADP will be ahead of Hater just because of the name recognition. But I I think Williams probably deserves to be drafted ahead of Hater. Nice little honorable mention, or I guess just the second pick straight up from Jake. Third superlative we have, guys. Player you fell in love with this year. This is not going to be a surprise uh, for my pick. It's Spencer Strider. Uh, there's just not much to be picky about with Strider. I would say the one blemish for Spencer Strider, I guess maybe there's two, but I'm actually going to speak against the the second possible one. I'll, I'll call it out here in a second. Uh, he does have a 9% walk rate, which is bottom. It's it's the 30th percentile in the league, league, so basically bottom third of the league. He definitely does need to clean that up. But I believe it has been pretty good since he came out of the bullpen. At least when I checked a couple weeks ago, I noticed that he was only walking maybe one or two per start. Um, but there, other than that, there's not much to be picky about with this kid. The one, the one thing that people do say, which I'm actually going to argue against, is that he is a two-pitch pitcher. But he does throw a changeup 5% of the time. I think that, that I think that's enough to say that he does have a third pitch. And I, I believe that the Braves are a great organization for development all around, the, you know, all across the board. But even for, you know, just looking at pitching in particular, Mike Soroka is really good. Spencer Strider is really good. Max Freed is really good. Probably Morton was already established, so I guess you can't say that. But they have a pretty good track record for developing talent, especially, you know, pitching talent. I noticed that he wasn't on the leaderboard on fan graphs. Maybe he just doesn't have enough innings, I guess, to qualify for the strikeout to walk percentage, which, again, I keep citing, but that is my absolute favorite stat. Number one in the league among pitchers for strikeout to walk percentage is Shohei Otani. Number two is a tie, if he were to qualify, 
between Shane McClanahan and Spencer Strider at 27.1%. That's the kind of guy that I think Spencer Strider can be as good as over a full season if he's able to kind of cut down on the... And it, it really doesn't even need that much work. If he's able to bring it up to league average, 50th percentile walk percentage, and he's able to throw that change up, say, 8% of the time, anywhere in that 8 to 10% of the 10% range, and it's it's just an average pitch, I think you're looking at potential SP, like next guy to enter the young ace conversation along with the likes of Shane McClanahan, Dylan Cease, Sandy Alcantara. The volume is the missing piece. That's the unknown variable. But the Braves and Spencer Strider have said that they are not worried about an innings cap or an innings limit in the slightest. So I think that that's encouraging um, to not only you know not only for the rest of this year, but just in years moving forward that they're not going to baby him. Fell in love with him this year. I have him in every single league that I play, and I am pumped that I do. But I'm going to give the floor over to you guys to brag on whoever it is that you love. Brandon, we're going to go to you first. Uh, first, I'd like to mention, I like how whenever you were talking about the Braves track record, the second pitcher that you mentioned is the pitcher that you said that you don't know. If he's good, like you said, the Braves have a really good track record, Mike Soroka, Spencer Strider. And that's like using the word that you're trying to define in the definition. Like you're not supposed to do that. But I like well, that's true. I just mean that the early <laughs> returns on Strider are looking pretty awesome. I know. No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, uh, this one's which one? <laughs> I forget what I was thinking about that the entire time. <laughs> Player you fell in love with this year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, mine's it's kind of it's the same as what Jake said for the breakout. It's Adley. Um, I really love just I remember like whenever he got called up and he like took the everyone like that video that got shared where he's like taking a moment, like taking it all in. Whenever I saw that, I was like, all right, this guy's going to be a player. I really love um, his mentality. And, yeah, I, I, every single week he makes me more and more, like, actually consider only keeping four players, which is really tough with, like, the situation that I'm in. But, I mean, whenever I traded for Musgrove, I just didn't think that Adley would be I mean, he was struggling a little bit at the beginning. I just, I thought like, okay, even if he's like pretty good, like average to pretty good for catcher, which I would assume is like 1.9 to 2.2 points a game, probably won't keep him. And now he's just been like bar none, the best catcher in the league, one of the better hitters in the league. Um, And he every single week makes me seriously consider only keeping four. Um, But yeah, I, I love his mentality. I love the way that he's, like just shown up from day one and been what seems like a really good pro and a really good teammate. So yeah, I love him. Over the last two months, Adley Rutschman has been the number 35 overall hitter. Not just, you know, that that's really good for a catcher over the last month. He's been the number 25 overall hitter. So for a catcher to crack the top 25 hitters, uh, just speaks to the huge advantage that he provides at his position specifically. Jake, tell us about the player that you fell in love with this year. All right, this is where I pay off the uh, the Tony Gonsolin tease. Um, I think part of the reason I like, I mean, part of it's circumstance because my pitching was in rough shape and uh, Gonsolin kind of kept me afloat there for a while. Uh, it's also that he's like, he's just very 
different in approach. Um, he does a lot of different things that we would expect to see from a pitcher who's who gets the results that he does. Uh, he lets the he's like he's pretty old school in the sense that he kind of lets the defense work behind him and is puts more of an emphasis on efficiency rather than actually trying to strike everyone out and throwing every single pitch match max effort. Um, as far as the like the ERA estimators go, like they always punish that type of pitcher, and for his entire career, it, all of the ERA, esti- ERA estimators have it's typically been about a run over his actual ERA. He doesn't have a huge sample, but at this point, like I'm, I'm thinking that's just kind of who he is. Uh, I, th- I think he's probably more of like a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as say a low end SP three, but probably in the back end SP two, high end SP three territories. He's an ace. And this is definitely going to be his career year. Um, but I, he's just, he's, a very fun pitcher to me in a different way than a lot of other guys like Spencer Strider or uh, Dylan Cease or some other pitchers who are, you know, like have all that, have all the stuff. Um, sometimes it's fun to get an alternative approach. That's one of the reasons I like Sandy Alcantara so much is uh, his, it's almost like for Alcantara, I know I'm switching players, but it's funny Alcantara's innings look like most guys strikeouts. Like there's those two stats are flipped for a lot of guys, but yeah, Tony Gonsolin's the player I, I fell in love with this year. He also looks like a total goof, which like he reminds me kind of a Gardner Minshew for some reason. So uh, you got to love that too. He he looks like he should be in an eighties porno. Like that, that's Tony Gonsolin. You watch a lot like, of I wasn't going to say pornos. Yeah. No, he just reminds me of like, uh, like that guy was a porn star in the 80s. I don't know. He has yeah. like a he just has like a it's not creepy. It's like almost like a stylish version of creepy type look to him. And he also somehow at the same time looks like he's from a different era, like an old school era. So I don't know. I just landed on like 80s porn star. <laughs> We're earning the explicit tag for this episode. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, we will need that explicit tag. Uh player you are completely out on after this year. Jake, back to you. Oh man. Um so just out of frustration it's definitely Byron Buxton because I that that ride was enough for me. But uh I guess from like a draft standpoint more so it's probably Chris sale. Like I just, I, I see myself being completely done with sale. Um, I think, I think the, the days when we longingly look back, remember coming to draft season and being like, Oh, he'd be a nice stash. And I'm talking about redraft leagues for myself. Like I'd be remember getting into some of the later rounds and my pitching's good. Maybe I'll target sale. He'll provide a nice boost later. I think the days where we can kind of look fondly back on how dominant Chris sale was, uh, they just get farther and farther away. And it's, it's been a while, a good while since he's been that guy. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I know I've spoken about sale quite a few times on here, but it's all starting to add up. It's piling up and I, I can't see myself getting in on him. Brendan, how about you? Who are you completely out on after this year? 
Yeah, for me, it's Belly. Um, I know a lot of people were out on him going into this year, but um, having him sort of on the team, I guess, and actually like seeing him just sit on my bench week in after week out, it's been really frustrating. Um, it's just, it's still an anomaly to me why he's not at least like serviceable anymore. Um, and it just seems as though like I guess it's a little bit of injuries like maybe the shoulder uh just really just works on his swing all the time and like tweaks it all the time and just is not having a good year at the plate almost ever um so for me Cody Bellinger is just kind of the guy that like sort of similar to say like maybe in the if he was still there in the 20 whatever round since he's a former MVP what like three years ago I would take a fly on him but it's just so frustrating that you know what like he has the capability of doing and then like just week in after week out giving you three points four points one game where he hits a home run and also strikes out twice so he has like four points that one game it's just rinse and repeat with him week in week out it's pretty frustrating I still remember in the 2020 offseason like just you know, just read through the baseball news. And it, I came across this blurb where it was Cody Bellinger is trying is reworking his swing to try and fix some minor issues. Like he wasn't happy about what I don't remember what it was. It was something that, I think it was like he wasn't happy with how fast he was coming through on or how fast he was turning on fastballs or something crazy. Like you're reworking your swing after a after an MVP season. Like, are you serious? But I, I don't remember if I, I can't remember another player that just took the absolute nosedive that Bellinger did. And like, it seems like it's his own fault for tinkering. Like, I feel like he just tinkered his way out of being an MVP. And now, now what? I'm going to keep it brief. Cody Bellinger is also my pick um, this year. He was awful last year, but this year his strikeout percentage is worse. It's a career worst. 27.8%. He has a career worst walk percentage this year after a terrible 2021 at 6.7%. Um, the only thing for fantasy that, that matters that he is above average in is sprint speed, but it doesn't matter because the guy can't get on base. So he is an absolute liability at no point this year. Has he even been startable or predictably startable it's not even like oh Cody Bellinger's been hot over the last two weeks let me throw him in my lineup anytime that he has been even just serviceable it's like as soon as you recognize it he's just back to being dog shit so Cody Bellinger like he he was my guy I drafted him I, I think in the in the third round of his MP, MVP year so I, I loved having him on my team but ever since then he has been so bad it's just really it's really sad to watch, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm done with Cody Bellinger. I'll I'll probably never draft him again, short of like him like truly recapturing form over the course of at least a half a season. I think I would need to see it before I would really buy back in. That's the thing with him too. Like I think and I know it, like but like I would put like maybe a dollar or two on maybe five dollars on him being. Um, the ALCS or like AL playoff MVP. Like 
he just for whatever reason always has like a decent to really strong playoffs and i think that like it would not be shocking to me if like if the dodgers made it to the world series and they and traded him to an al club Oh, sorry. I was thinking that he get he get <laughs> dropped. Like the Dodgers yeah. would just outright release him, and he would go. Like an AL team would pick him up. That was. I was sure that the Dodgers are in the. I have a very like hockey oriented brain, so I just think East and West, and I always think like since the Pirates are in the East and they're in the NL, that, that all. That, yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that if the Dodgers made it to the World Series in the seven game series, I it would not shock me to like if you told me three months from now, like, or four months from now that like Cody Bellinger is the world series MVP. Cause he had an insane seven games and then like fist bumped somebody and dislocated his shoulder again. and was terrible next year. You know who Cody Bellinger uh, over the last two years reminds me of very closely. Kevin Joe, New- Joey Gallo. Kevin Newman. <laughs> Kevin Newman. <laughs> I think Joe, I mean, and it's funny because they're teammates now uh, with Joey Gallo getting traded to the Dodgers. I think that they're. Joey Gallo's raking also. Yeah, but Cody Bellinger can't rake. (laughs) But I I think they're very similar players. If you look at the last two years of Cody Bellinger's kind of skill set, or if you can even call it that, just his profile, he's been very Joey Gallo like. And Joey Gallo just got ran out of New York City for being so bad. I think Cody Bellinger is not going to be a Dodger when he hit. They're not going to sign him to a long-term deal, I don't think. And um, when he hits free agency, I don't think they're going to bring him back, which is crazy for a former MVP that the Dodgers wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't have thought after 2019, you'd think that this guy's going to be a Dodger for 90% of his career, if not all of it. I, I, I think once he hits free agency, he's not going to be a Dodger. Future pirate Cody Bellinger. I wouldn't mind that. I said just yesterday that no. the Pirates should sign Joey Gallo this offseason. So might as well just get his younger counterpart, Cody, yeah. <laughs> Cody Bellinger. Put them both up there at the three <laughs> and four spot, and then O'Neill Cruz behind them with no one ever on base while he hits Cruz. Yeah, this, the sad yeah. part is that we're talking about these guys, Gallo and Bellinger, Bellinger in particular, saying that they that he sucks. But like, I would be head over heels, like through the moon, excited if the Pirates somehow got him. It's just funny. Yeah. That's the state of the Pirates. That I would be pumped to get a former big name. The last superlative Chris that we Tucker. have, guys. Shut up. I have his jersey. That was the worst yeah, purchase remember, I've I ever made. First, I went to the first game. I watched you buy it. I was with you. Uh, it was so funny. <laughs> worst $135 I've ever spent. I like try to wear it sometimes now. When I know I'm gonna be susceptible. No, no, no. When I know I'm gonna be susceptible to getting it dirty because I want it to get stained so that I can just throw it out. I feel like I can't throw it out because I spent too much money on it, but I want the jersey to get ruined so that I can just throw it away. Oh, goodness. Last superlative, fellas. Player, you were dead wrong about this year. And this is an interesting one because, you know, you could have predicted that this player would be a stud and they were absolute trash. You could have been, you know, made a prediction that this player was trash and they were a stud. Let's go to you first, Brendan. Who was it for you this year? Um, I think the person that I was the most sort of wrong about, and again, this is very recent, C-Bias, but um, I remember thinking it was like crazy that um, obviously he's being wasted on Jaron's team, but I remember thinking it was crazy 
that DeGrom was drafted even where he was. I thought even that was early. Like, why on earth would you – like, I get like I get that he's like DeGrom, but like an aging pitcher with who's injured, like why on earth would you do that? And I just – these past three or four starts, whatever they've had, have just shut that right up. He's so good at what he does. Like, I remember – I think I was listening to last week's podcast and Jake had like a wet dream on air on him for like the – for about like five minutes. But – so I don't want really to say that much more, but like, it's just unreal. And I was very wrong about that. I, I kept that too. I just had that to myself whenever Jerry drafted him, but I was like, another classic Jerry, terrible fantasy move. I was like, seems early, even like, I just don't get it. He's like, what, 34, 35? 30, I think he's 34. And it's just like a, an aging pitcher with an arm problem, elbow problem too, that he's not getting surgery. And I was like, I don't that doesn't make much of any sense. And then he's just come back and automatically again, the best pitcher in baseball. It's been fun to see. Let's not give him too much credit. He did draft Adalberto Mondesi with his third pick. <laughs> I would never give Jerwin credit. I think that I'm giving DeGrom credit more than I am Jerwin. Jake, who's the player that you were dead wrong about this year? Uh, so the player that I was dead wrong on was the player that I boldly proclaimed was going to believe hit over 40 home runs and uh hit over 300 um i don't know if you remember who that was joey Votto. it was joey Votto who uh just got season-ending shoulder surgery today yeah he got he got quite did not quite make it to my lofty expectations. you said joey Votto was gonna hit 40 home runs. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i was i was infatuated with the uh with the x stats last year he's he hit the ball basically as hard as he ever has. Um, his ex slug was in the 97th percentile last year. He was walking as much as he ever had. And you know what they say? You always go with the outlier. And yeah. I thought exactly. And I, I thought, follow it. man, this guy, this old dude is going to follow this up and have an MVP worthy season. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, Joey Votto has been one of the worst hitters in the entire, <laughs> in the entire league uh I, it's just funny 40, this, like, this is probably 40 the biggest... is so many home runs <laughs> I was going bold, that's friend. 20 yeah, home runs gonna... and then 20 bold. more home runs <laughs> <laughs> might have been bold just to predict 25 yeah seriously yeah but, uh... so many home runs Jake. <laughs> oh my God. i was going bold um yeah but it, yeah i'll just i'll take it this is probably the biggest l i've ever taken on a player before i mean i honestly I must, I must not have been I, – I got him in zero leagues. Like, people dra- actually drafted him before I could. When that was my bold prediction for him. That's like a second-round player if you, if you were predicting <laughs> yeah, 300 batting average and 40 home runs. And, the, and was, Joey Votto's always yeah, okay, been a good okay, play okay. It's a bold, It was a bold prediction. Those are his, OP, his OPS this year is .689. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was the player that I'm wrong on. Hopefully, he will be the player. He will forever be the player that I will be most wrong on. He doesn't on. even have 20 doubles, Jake, this year. <laughs> <laughs> 40 is so many. <laughs> Does he even have 40 extra base hits? No, because oh, no, he doesn't have 20. He doesn't have 20 triples, so no, definitely yeah, not. He has 19 extra base hits. He has one oh, triple. my God. Joey Votto has a triple this year, which is also insane. <laughs> Yeah, the I biggest L I've ever taken. Hopefully, the biggest L I ever will take on a player. 
Joey Votto. I'm a little disappointed that neither of you guys picked a guy that you actually had stake in. That's the route that I went. Um, oh, yeah. Because this is a guy that I actually believed in to the point that not only did I draft him in our league, I went out and traded for him in one of the dynasty leagues that I play in. I, I picked Marcelo Zuna for the guy that I was dead wrong about. And I was kind of thinking back to, I believe it was the 2020 and maybe the 2019 seasons where I know one of those years, I think he was a top three left fielder. And then I believe in the other year, he was a top five left fielder. So Marcelo Zuna is definitely known to be streaky. But uh, I figured after he put all the, you know, everything that happened off the field last year behind him, he was on a great team coming in, still is on a great team this year with the Atlanta Braves. And man, they're just getting better locking up all these players like we've talked about in our group chat. I just thought he was poised to, you know, even if he was just average, even if he was somewhere in the middle of super hot Marcelo Zuna and super cold Marcelo Zuna, even if he was just kind of the average version of himself, I thought that the counting stats would be super good. So I was pretty pumped to get him. And I think it was either the seventh or the eighth round. I thought that was a huge discount. And uh, I ended up trading him away for basically as a throw-in in the Dynasty League. And then in our league, I think I traded him early enough that it was in that Lance Lynn and Marcelo Zuna for Liam Hendricks and Christian Yelich deal. So, I mean, I I, th- I think I recouped some value on him in this league just a little bit, though, because even Yelich hasn't been anything special this year. But, yeah, I was totally wrong about him. I remember early in the season I was looking for a center fielder and a right fielder, thinking like, oh, I'm good. I got left field locked up. Marcelo Zuna is going to be really good. And even for the first two weeks of the year, he was. He was a top 10 outfielder. But then after that, he hasn't done anything since. So Marcelo Zuna was the guy that I was completely wrong about this year. Guys, let's get into the matchup preview. This is the matchup with the most stake, or I should say the week with the most stakes all year because it's going to determine two of our eight playoff spots. I'm not necessarily sure. Maybe there has been a year, but I feel like pretty often all but at least just one playoff spot uh, is locked up heading into the final week of the year. This year, it's it's two, and pretty much everybody involved is is playing each other. So that's a lot of ex- that's a lot of excitement for the last week. My thing to watch for directly relates to that. It's that I have my eyes locked and loaded on the matchup between Eddie and JC because one, I need JC to get the win so that I can basically have the first round by playing him because his team is by far the worst of the three to four ish wildcard teams fighting for a playoff spot in my mind. But two, has a lot of implications on you, Brendan, and Eddie potentially getting a playoff spot. So I'm watching for that. Like I said, Eddie's team, or I should I, I should say I mentioned earlier, Eddie's team is coming off a season best week if you exclude the extended week one matchup period. JC's coming off of a league worst 14 straight losing streak. So the odds feel pretty slim that he's able to win, but I am rooting for my boy through jake what's your thing to watch for i think like the there's only one right answer because it's the wild cards like what else are we going to watch this week could watch the battle between mike and scott you could that would be your (laughs) brendan anything else to add thing to watch for obviously you're excited to see who gets these last couple playoff spots yeah, it's the same. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I think I have a pretty good idea of how it'll turn out. I think it will actually probably just for the most part stay the same, which is I think what you would like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still going to be interesting. It is interesting that um, Eddie has kind of made it. So I remember he's one of the better teams and then kind of fell off and now he's kind of coming back. So I think that's always fun to watch. You know, the crazy thing is, I, I think I said on the podcast after he beat me on Sunday Night Baseball when there was a throwing error and then Tommy Edmonds scored on a wild pitch, or not even a throwing error. It was Evan Longoria making a fielding error that would have gotten the Giants out of the inning, but instead Tommy Edmonds reached base. And then there was a wild pitch to score him in, and that's what won Eddie the matchup. And not only won him the matchup, but it was the difference between going 0-2 and 2-0 and that week because we were the 6th and 7th highest scoring teams. If that throwing error didn't happen, or sorry, fielding error, I keep saying throwing error. If that fielding error didn't happen, Eddie would be out of the playoffs right now. How crazy is that? So that is what we're all watching for. Matchup predictions. I'm 500 on the year at 33 and 33. Jake is having a pretty good year, 44 and 28. The guests crushing it, 58 and 26. Brendan, let's see if you can add to it. Of course, this is our, I guess, standings rivalry week. So, you know, every position in each division is playing their opposite in the other division. First matchup of the week, the one seed in the East, Freedom All-Stars versus the one seed in the West. Demons in the infield. Brendan, who do you got in this matchup? Um, I'm actually going to go with you, Nate. Um, I think that you do have, obviously, you have a lot of pitchers going. Uh, don't you have like 12 starting this week or something? I have quite a few. I think it's 11. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually, I think that this might be, let me double check that for you. I'm pretty sure it was because yeah. I picked you for the same reason. Also, because your team is going to bounce back after the tough loss. No, I have seven total starts. No, you have seven remaining. Yeah, you have seven left. You have five done, seven left. Oh, okay. I read that wrong. I have 12 starts yeah. for the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, regardless, I think that you'll probably end up taking the win. I just think that you have such a lead, right? I, I, I don't know. I think that... You, like, like kind of Jake said, I think you'll bounce back, and I think it's fun because this is what I would predict the finals to be. So um, obviously, this is one week versus two. Uh, it's a different kind of sample size, but I think that yeah, I'll probably go with you on that one, Jake. I already said I was picking your team. All right. I'll keep it short and sweet. I'm picking my team. If Nick's team happens to win, you know that we're all going to hear about it in the group chat. Like, stop disrespecting my team. It's just Nick's calling card when somebody picks against him on the podcast and then he goes on to win, takes it personally. He should appreciate it because we're giving him bulletin board material. Like, imagine how bad his team would be if we didn't pick against him. That's right. That's right. In our two-seed matchup, we got the two seed in the East, Clostable Junkies, formerly weak pullout hitter Sam, versus the Walk Institute of Research, the number two seed in the West, Jordan. I got Sam one in this matchup. Jake, how about you? I also am going with Sam. Brendan. Um, I'm also going to stick with Sam. Brendan, you love Sam. I feel like you have a soft spot for Sam. You 
Got to, man. Guy's got four kids and he's our age. You gotta you gotta pull <laughs> one out for him. Like just Well, gotta somebody's gotta pull him. one out because it's not gonna be him. Uh in the three seed matchup, the Deemers face off. Jake's fantasy baseball team out of the East Division versus Team C Deemer out of the West Division. I have Courtney winning this matchup. That might be a surprise because Jake, I, I think your team's been pretty good as of late, but I got Courtney pulling this one out. Brendan, who are you picking in the Deemer matchup? There you go, Jake. Jake, break the tie. Yep. I'm going with myself and I am going to continue the uh I guess the streak of winning the season series, the regular season series. Is that a, is that your fun fact this week? Because you're going to have to tell us what the season series all-time record is, if not. It's not the fun fact. I also don't have that pulled up. But if you give me one second, I can get it. Sure. The next matchup is the four seeds. lot riding on this one. Team Gone Forever versus the NFTs. Eddie versus JC. Eddie representing... The West Division, JC representing the East Division. I got to back my boy. Got to just have conviction in my rooting interest and pick JC in this matchup, even though Eddie whooped my ass last week. Brendan, who are you picking in this one? I'm going to go with Eddie. Um, I think he is going to pull it. Also, JC's team has just been so bad for the last seven, eight weeks that I just... I think that he kind of had a good beginning of the week and it's kind of has, I know we're record, uh, we're supposed to be doing this space on Monday, but like, I think he's going to kind of taper off. I'm going to go with Eddie. I just need JC to get above the median. I think he has a really good chance at, at landing a playoff spot. If he gets above the median, it'd be great if he beat Eddie, but I just really need him to get above the median. Jake, who are you picking? Break the tie. I'm picking Eddie. I believe. All right. Fifth matchup of the week. Again, a lot riding on this one. Just, I guess, really for just one team in the matchup because Jerwin's all but cooked. Fifth seed out of the East Division, Ass in the Jackpot versus fifth seed out of the West, Team Positivity. Brendan, I got your team uh, winning this matchup. You, out of the three of you, between you, Eddie, and JC, I have the most confidence in your team making the playoffs of all three of you. So I, I have you. Pretty comfortably winning this one. I actually don't even know what the score is right now. Uh, we're going to save your pick for last. Jake, who do you have winning this one? I have Brendan winning. And Brendan, are you backing yourself? Of course. Yeah, I will win. Um, I would never let myself lose to someone like Jerwin. You have two more starts than he does remaining. And by the way, what's up with you leaving Ross Stripling, who was on the injured list, in your lineup last week? Or whatever it was. Yeah, you made me look really stupid on the podcast when I picked you. Uh, well, beat the median, so you're welcome about that. Um, that was a mental error. You have I to clean those up before beat. playoffs. I don't think that Ross Stripling was going to be the or like whoever I put in that reliever position was going to gain the hundred whatever points I needed on Nick to get the win. But if Drew Rasmussen threw the perfect game. And Ross Stripling through a game like he did today, maybe it would have been close. Or maybe Ross Stripling pitched yesterday. I'm just looking at the week's scores. He pitched today. He did really well. Yeah. Last matchup of the week, the Toilet Bowl matchup, the six seeds, 
Big Money Mike out of the West, Team No Name out of the East. I have Scott bringing it home. I guess Mike, therefore, being the, being the stinker of the league, closing out our regular season. Brendan, who are you picking in this matchup? I'm also going to go with Scott. Yeah, there's just not much I love about Mike's team this week, and I don't really think he is uh, trying to win at this point. Jake? I was originally going to say that they should have made this like a gimmick matchup, like, you know, like catchers only, or you pick the other person's match, the other person's lineup. But they're fun. Thanks. Cause I think the loser, we get to pick their name next year, right? The loser gets dead last. Yeah. And we actually did not get to pick the, the name this year because Scott took over for bomb last year and ended up taking last place. So we kind of spared him this year. So next year, if Scott, happens to take last place again, we are definitely going to name his team. We're not going to give him a pass two years in a row, but it could be Mike. We will see. Yeah, I'm picking Scott here. I think that uh, I think Scott's going to gonna win it. But they should do it. They should have done a gimmick matchup. That would have been fun. Yes, it would have. We can make that a league tradition. Like our, our you know, standings rivalry week, last week of the regular season, that could be who determines last place in the league. And the league could decide on the gimmick, and then the loser of the matchup has their name decided on by the league the next year. That would be a fun way to kind of put some stakes behind the bottom of the barrel matchup of the league. Something to think about. Jake, did you ever get that dig up that regular season series record between you and Courtney? I did. I am currently leading nine to five. There you go. And I'm assuming that means that you've beat her. Um in the regular season series every time, or have you guys tied a couple times? Uh, we split it. We split a few when we only played each other once. Or, yeah. only, sorry, only played each other twice. Splitting with one would be kind of tough to do. But you haven't lost yet. I haven't have lost a, a, a series. I have not. All right. Well, that was a nice little preview into the league history fact of the week. Why don't you hit us with the, the real thing? All right, so the real thing is has to do with the thing that we're going to watch for, which is the storied rivalry that is Jerome versus Brendan. Uh, so all time, Brendan holds the edge at six to four. However, the most lopsided matchup was when Jerowin beat Brendan by in week eight of 2019 by 138.3 points. That's quite a bit, but Brendan got the last laugh that year when he defeated Jerowin in a classic round one upset. Defeated Jerowin 592.3 to Jerowin's 503.7 and ended what was probably Jerowin's most talented team. And it's been a very heated rivalry ever since. And now Jerowin finally gets his chance at, at sweet revenge when he can knock Brendan from the playoffs and end his dreams of a championship this year. Now I know Those you guys been gone for a while. <laughs> I know the rest of the listeners can't see, but in the middle of Jake and you know sharing that Brendan pulled off the first round upset against Jerwin's best team. Um, Brendan was taking bows here. We're on video, so just thought that I would throw that in there. News and notes, fellas. Perhaps the biggest news. Of the baseball season, you know, after 
it was decided that there would be a new collective bargaining agreement. That was probably the biggest, right? Because that determines Joey the Votto season. getting the surgery. Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> Joey Votto did not reach 40 home runs. Yeah, That's the news. Front runner, Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah. Major League Baseball field dreams, noted field of dreams player Joey Votto. <laughs> <laughs> Major League Baseball announced that Fernando Tatis Jr has received an 80-game suspension without pay after testing positive for Clostable, a performance-enhancing substance which violates MLB's Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. His suspension is effective immediately. Now, first, I didn't put this in the notes, and I actually didn't even look at the trade, but I believe Sam gave up Austin Riley and Brennan Davis for Fernando Tatis. Does that sound right? I think he got back Brian Reynolds too. Still, yes. What a what a terrible terrible trade that that is aged to be for Sam. I actually feel for him, and I I rarely feel for Sam. That that's rough. But guys, not only will Tatis end up missing the entire season in 2022, both regular season and playoffs, but he's also going to miss the first month of 2023. Uh, Jake, I'm really thinking of you here. First, any thoughts to get off of your chest on this entire situation? I still think that Tatis just Googled the drug that he tested positive for. And did you see the thing where he might have, or like there was people thought maybe he misspelled something? Because I like this isn't actually used in ringworm and ringworm medication or something like that. Yes. So there's like a, it's a very similarly spelled, I think it's like Clasta, Clasta Babol or something. There's like an extra syllable and that's the drug that is used in ringworm treatment. This is Clostable, which I believe is an actual steroid and it's spelled very similarly. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he was kind of caught in a lie because the other drug while it's while it looks very similar, like spelling wise, I think it's actually a separate substance that's put in ringworm medicine. Yeah, we'll never know. But in my own headcanon, uh, Tatis Googled his excuse and misspelled it because that's a little bit amusing. But yeah, it's uh, once again just another guy, uh, you know, unwilling, unwittingly uses steroids. It's no idea how it got in his body. Doesn't know what happened definitely wasn't his fault but uh yeah it's just uh, it's it's tough um tough look for baseball because you know watching the little league world series like everybody's like now the like every that's last year at least everybody Tatis was their favorite player so it's like he was a big he's a big deal to the young young kids um like the, he's like the face of the the just have fun but i guess to maybe be a little harsh I think Tatis might be an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. That's a little, it's a bold take. Yeah. I mean, like, so his response, right. In the off season, when they said, you think you got hurt, your wrist, remember his wrist, that was where he was out for so long. Your wrist got hurt when you're at, for your motorcycle accident. And he responds, which one? Like, are you serious? And then, uh, you know, he's got that the, and I know that there was some reports of maturity issues. I think there was a couple, couple instances where he was getting talked to. And I'm not talking about the stupid 
Rangers Grand Slam thing that was all really dumb. But I'm talking about Machado, like yelling at him in the dugout. Machado, who's famously a also a uh, pretty self-centered dude himself. Uh, I, I just I don't know. Like the Padres have to be kind of regretting giving him all of that money. I don't know that you can say that. I mean, he claims that he was drug tested earlier in the year in like March or something that was clean. So, I mean, but I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to really verify that. And I don't know. Does the whole body work kind of have to come into question? Like, I don't think that the, the PEDs make a guy like make a player, but I don't know. It's uh, kind of sucks, but yeah, I think Tatis might be an idiot. So there's that too. Did you see what, did you guys see what his dad said? Was the issue? Yeah. 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 Was, his dad said that it was because of a bad haircut that he got. Like there was an infection. I don't know. It just seems like they're yeah. those things could be true, I guess. I think like my thing is like even if it was a ringworm or like even if it was that thing and all those things are true, you make how much money a year? You have to like with any over-the-counter medication, with anything you get, you have to know whether or not it's going to, if it ha- if it contains something that would throw the PEDs, like you can't get like a dietitian or like someone on your staff or on your team to be like, hey, can I take this? Like it just, just doesn't seem smart, even if it was a mistake over-the-counter thing. But I don't know. It doesn't, I don't really have much sympathy or, anything for it kind of like jake i think that it was just seems like a dumb move the padres definitely have a guy on their payroll yeah it's his job to answer the phone anytime a player calls and asks hey can i take this medicine yeah so you guys ever think that there's going to be somebody that gets caught um like test positive with for peds and he comes out with a statement and he's like hey you you got me (laughs) like Like I wonder if that's oh, ever so badly for that to happen. My hands are tied, officer. You got me. All right. <laughs> the needle was in. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah. I was just trying to hit more dangers. Really, that's what I was trying to do. You know, Alex Rodriguez came to Slippery Rock for like a, an event, and I wore Starling Marte's jersey. This was after Starling Marte tested positive for PEDs. I wore his jersey to the event. I went up to the microphone and I asked Alex Rodriguez why he cheated. And he told me, this was 10 years after he cheated, because this was when I was in college. He told me that he didn't know what he was being given at the time. So these guys like take it to the grave that like they just didn't know. And I refused to believe it. I had no idea what I was injecting into my own arm. Right. You know, like how the needle got there. Now it was ironic I it because was I was I was wearing Starling Marte's jersey, who was who was actively suspended at the time, so it was pretty funny. But uh, it's just his his response is also funny. Guys, Tatis is going to be available in our draft next year. His keeper eligibility is exhausted. Where would you personally draft Fernando Tatis Jr.? It's hard. First of all, we don't know how Fantrax is going to handle his position eligibility because right now he has shortstop center field and right field i don't know if that reverts back to shortstop only since he missed the entire season i'm not sure that might factor in but just in a vacuum where are you drafting him next year brendan this is a month like fifth round sixth round i don't know 
I it also scares me that like I haven't seen him swing a baseball since he has hurt his arm and wrist and like or swing a baseball bat since he's hurt his wrist. Like I just don't I don't know. Those things are always really tricky to come around. Maybe even like I don't know if I would take him in the how many players is fifth round? Yeah, probably like yeah, fifth or sixth round. He did get a couple swings. He he was on a rehab assignment when they suspended him. He's literally just about to come back. Just crazy. Jake, where would you take? I guess him? against like MLB caliber pitchers. Yeah. yeah. So I guess from an ADP standpoint, I'm get, I'm thinking about what the general public is going to do. I don't know that this situation is that dissimilar from what Ronald Acuna was coming in this year, where because Acuna was also going to miss about a month. But Tatis has more baggage. There's also you know the, the bad publicity of him. Uh, being a, he now has this steroid user and this title attached to him. So I think he'll go a little later than that. ADP at Acuna, I want to say, Nate, you might have to help me out here. I think it was like mid second round, mid to late second round. I, I think remember. it was like 11 or 12, roughly around uh, the oh, turn. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think that Tatis will probably ADP would probably be, um, maybe I guess in that, in that range, like back end of the second early third, mid third, maybe I wouldn't draft him there. I, I don't know. I just, that's, that's too risky. He's done enough things. Like I know that it's hard to, it's not, it's hard to project. Like you can't project that a guy is going to fall off his motorcycle, but like he's done enough dumb things that like, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in him. So I guess it, it's one thing, maybe more risk averse. I think one thing that like I have tried to subscribe to, especially like, as you've gone, as I've done more and more years of fantasy, like if there's anything around the first five rounds, like if I if anything around anyone that I'm picking in the first five rounds, I would pick the next person on the ADP or like where, like if there's a player that is injury prone, is really good, but has the, a history of being stupid, like all those things, like you want. For the first five rounds, you don't want to take a risk ever. I think you want to take the safest players that you can um, because those, in theory, should be your five best players um, that you're selecting, like the five players that you think you can build the team around. I, it doesn't seem smart to me. That's why I said like fifth or sixth round. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him at a spot where it's like, well, he's not going to be here for a month, and whenever he comes back, he might do something dumb or like this, that. I would say, okay, I'll just take the next best player. I agree with that. I would take him in the third round. He's not going to last to the third round, so I'm not going to get him. Yeah. Chris Sale broke his wrist riding his bike, speaking of dumb things, and had surgery. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Guys, he is eligible to be kept one more year in the ninth round. Should Eddie keep him? Brendan. No. No. There's no point in that. I'd have to see. Um, I don't know his timetable, so I don't know if he's going to be healthy going into next year. I'd probably keep him for a ninth round because there's not a lot of risk there. But like, do I have faith that he's going to be the old Chris Sale? Like, absolutely not. I don't think just I would. saying, like, yeah, I don't think 20 I minutes ago that you hate Chris Sale, and that you're <laughs> out on him, that you wouldn't take him in any round. And you're saying, no, yeah, they well, the ninth. Okay, so everybody has a price. I mean, it's maybe except for Ballinger. Ninth uh, is still pretty early. Yeah. We start 18 uh, players. 
What, what no caliber pitcher are you, are you taking in the ninth round? Well, let me let me let me pull up the draft, and I'll tell you exactly who is taken after or in round nine or later among pitchers. So I'll factor in relievers as well, just to give you an idea. Kenley Jansen, Ryan Presley, Chris Bassett. Those were ninth round players. Jordan Romano. In the 10th round, Adam Wainwright, Sonny Gray. In the 11th round, Patrick Sandoval, Luis Severino. In the 12th round, Shane Baz, Aaron Ashby. Freddie Peralta was a keeper. Noah Syndergaard, Jesus Lazardo. Like, I would rather take young upside pitchers similar to like a Jesus Lazardo than Chris Sale in the mid rounds, I think. I don't think it's. A, I don't think you're going to took get... Adam Wainwright in the tenth. Courtney, interesting. You were about to insult <laughs> until I said Courtney. <laughs> you're. I mean, did she think he was going to pitch against the Pirates every single game? Like, I don't know. He's not. He's not that good. It's been all right. I don't. Really I mean, he, he hasn't been a tenth round player, but he's been okay. Yeah. Anyway, I would rather take breakout candidates in the mid-rounds than a washed-up, injury-prone former three years ago ace. That's just me. I wouldn't keep him. So that begs the next question. If if Eddie doesn't keep him, where would you draft him, Jake? You said that you said earlier you kind of indicated that you probably wouldn't, but where would you take him? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe ninth round is a little rich, but uh, I was going to I mean, I'm. That's let. Listen, we start eighteen players. Is he going to be in the top fifty percent of your lineup? I know we have keepers, so it's you can't paint it black and white like that. But I am painting it black and white. Like, are you drafting him to be one of the first half of your lineup? I got to me, absolutely not. I would probably take him in the fifteenth round or later. So again, I'm not going to get him. Even if Eddie doesn't keep, yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. Maybe say like thirteenth or fourteenth. I would look at him a little bit harder, um, and then yeah, I would assume fifteenth. I don't know where he would go. Um, I don't think Eddie's going to keep him, so I think maybe tenth or eleventh, and that is a little bit too early for me. But thirteenth, fourteenth, I could. If he's still there, I would take a look at it just because of, you know, name recognition alone. I think that, again, like you said, Nate, I would probably rather have a young – I think it's circumstantial. Like, if there were no more young pitchers I felt really good about at that spot and I needed a pitcher, yeah, I would feel okay about it. Kind of continuing on the injured pitcher train here, left-hander or left-handed pitcher Tariq Skubal has been transferred to the 60-day injured list to create room on the 40-man. And although he would technically be eligible to return the first day of October, uh, it's actually been confirmed that Tariq Skubal's season is over. Guys, should Jerwin keep Skubal? He was really good at the beginning of the year and then came back down to earth and then got hurt. Jake, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on whether Jerwin should keep Tariq Skubal in the 10th round next year. Uh, That might be a little... Rich for me coming off of a 
you have to remind me what the recovery time is, but I believe that anything involving what was it his shoulder? It is a flexor tendon that he had surgery on. Okay. Yeah, I um I don't think I would. Brendan? Yes, I mean same thing that I said. I know tenth round is later, but I just don't like to take risks on those kind of players. Um yeah, I probably would not keep him. But I would assume that he'll go around there to just maybe a round or two after. I would be making my decision based on whether or not he throws a pitch in spring training. If he is on the mound in spring training, I'll keep him. I, I'd be good with drafting him in the 10th round. If he doesn't, then I wouldn't keep him if I were Jerwin. And I guess it would depend on his timeline, but let's say he misses the first month of the season. I think unless he has a setback, that's that's probably like a maximum reasonable return timeline for him. I'd probably say like 13, 14th round, something like that would be where I would take him. Any thoughts to add on Scooble, guys? No. All right. And wrapping up the episode. Actually, one... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I thought we were done, but I, I had one more thing for us to do. But I was. We do, we do have to talk about Walker Bueller. Okay. Let's talk about Walker first. Yeah. Last guy on the uh, injured pitcher train, Walker Bueller, underwent season-ending elbow surgery. And oddly enough, the Dodgers ha- actually haven't specified the nature of the surgery. Like, whereas with Tariq Skubal, we know that it was a flexor tendon surgery. Um, I don't believe that it's Tommy John for Walker Bueller. I feel like that would be known at this point. And he originally actually got injured with a flexor strain. So maybe it's the same kind of surgery that Tariq Skubal got. We don't know yet. Um, assuming that he is ready for spring training, are you guys looking at Walker Bueller as the first or second round staple that he has been in our draft for the last few years? Brendan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, again, similar to what I said, I think kind of what you said, I think you would need to know. I You need to know a lot more about the injury, but like, let's just assume that it it's the same thing with school and it's... Um, same type of deal yeah i probably wouldn't again the first round i don't want risk i don't want someone that like maybe is hurt maybe isn't so i i probably wouldn't um i would have a hard time letting him go past the third or fourth round though so i think third round seems about right to me but yeah just because of I want, especially with your first pick, you got to get someone that's like, this person's going to be an instant impact player. It's going to be a potential top 12 player in the league all year. So yeah, that's, that's where I stand. Jake, you used your second round pick this year on a guy who didn't throw a pitch in the majors in 2021, and it has worked out handsomely. So I want your take on Walker Bueller. If he is throwing on the mound, in spring training next year, where are you taking Walker Bueller? Uh, there's no shot I would take him in the first two rounds, um, which I guess is maybe a bold take for somebody who took Justin Verlander there, but I don't know. Uh, Bueller has been, when we saw him this year, the stuff was diminished. Um, he was, I know he had a very good year the year before that, but that was mostly on the back of being uh being just a volume machine. 
but this it kind of just continued a trend where, like I said, the stuff diminished, the strikeouts went down. And this year he's been more like pretty good rather than great. That's a little worrying. Um, so I guess like he wasn't really trending in a direction that I was thrilled with to begin with. And now we have an, an unknown injury uh, to add on to that. And I don't know, there's a lot of unknown there. So I don't, I don't know if I'll be crazy to, to go after Bueller. That probably, I, well, it's hard to say right now, not knowing what the injury is, but I don't think that I would take him in the first two rounds. I agree. Even if he's on the mound um, in spring training, I would take him in the third round. If he's on the mound for the entirety of spring training, if he's behind at all, I'm probably letting him go to somebody else's team because he's likely if he's healthy by opening day, He's not going to fall past the first three rounds. Um, but like I said, if he is behind it all in terms of ramping up for the season, uh, it's not going to be my team that he gets drafted to. Jake, you had a, a thought to share, I think, before we talked about Walker Bueller. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, so we're going to do an impromptu player A, player B, player C. I just put this in the chat, and I'm going to run through it very quickly. Okay. Player A, slash line 205. 319, 370. That adds up to a 689 OPS. This player is averaging 1.64 points per game. Points player B, 267, 314, 364. That is a 677 OPS, averaging 1.91 points per game. And player C, 206, 261, 399, with a 661 OPS. This player is averaging 1.89 points per game. Do we have any guesses as to these player uh, to these to these fantasy studs who they are? I'll let uh, Brendan go first. Player A, I know who it is. I do too. Um, player C, I think, is Belly, but player A is 100% Joey Votto. No, I think player A is. Uh no, maybe one point six is too low. Player A or player C is Cody Bellinger. I thought it was player A at first, but now I'm starting to think it's player C because I think Bellinger is not that far below two points per game. Did we get player C right? Player player C Cody Bellinger? Player C is Cody Bellinger. Okay. I was right on player A. I think player B is Joey Gallo. I think player B is Joey Votto. Player A is Joey Gallo. Player A is Joey Votto. Player, can we want to reveal player B? It's got to be Joey Gallo, right? It is not. It is Kevin. Uh, Kevin Newman. <laughs> He's performing <laughs> the best per game out of uh, Votto, Bellinger, and, and Newman. That's so funny. Yeah, Kevin Newman. Oh. Bellinger. What a crapshoot. You would have been better off rostering Kevin Newman this year than Joey Votto or Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I just thought we could bring the episode full full circle here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Brendan, uh, I hope that we have the chance to have you back on. Uh, I think that will only be if you make the championship, which doesn't feel likely. No offense. Yeah, probably not, but stranger things, you know, have happened. Yeah, yeah. Anything to share with the people in case this is the final time you come on until the 2023 season? Um, 
No, around I just I got engaged, so around then I'll probably be deep into wedding planning mode. But uh, no, don't have much. It's been a fun season. I love you know getting to know everybody. It's good. It's been a good time, and uh, yeah, I'll have fun again next year. When's the wedding date? Uh, next September. We don't have a specific date yet. We haven't selected a venue. We're like in between two. Okay, I was thinking it might have been during the season. I was going to ask, what are the chances we can get you to make a trade on your on your wedding day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Guess we don't have to worry about that. Jake, anything to yeah. share with the people before uh, we sign off for the week? No. All right, Brendan, thanks for coming on. Pleasure to have you as always. Um, we're looking forward to bringing you guys. Uh, an official playoff edition of the podcast starting next week. We will obviously have a full playoff bracket. Um, I think we'll probably make some picks since uh, we kind of did some mock predictions last week. We'll give you the real thing next week, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So have a good week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Yerk.